was just, I think, here's the thing, is I think she, like, let her guard down a little bit this episode, and it immediately snapped back, more forceful than ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> she, like, let her guard down for one minute because she was doing all these bayou scenes, and she's like, oh, it's fine if I sound a little weird. I'm out in the bayou. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And immediately she's like, no. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> It's so weird. Oh, Phoebe. But I also think it's so funny that they have Phoebe trying to do this American accent because I remember watching H2O. She had like the strongest Australian accent out of the three of them. She has the biggest Australian accent. Like it's like think Australian, you think Phoebe because her accent is like so Australian. Her accent is the very typical Australian accent that so, everybody like, thinks it's, of. It's crazy that they have her trying to pull off an American one. Like, whoa. Hey, hi, hello, everyone. Welcome to Afterbite. It's an Originals fan cast only eight years too late. This week, we are watching season one, episode 17 of the Originals, Moon Over Bourbon Street. I'm B, joined by my co-host Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hi. And this is episode 101. We finally made it over the... <laughs> we're over the century club now, actually. <laughs> We've made it over the hill. <laughs> so I'm if you haven't listened, th- I'm promoting our podcast within our podcast. Because if you haven't heard episode 100, it's a fucking banger of an it's episode. It's a good episode. It's we- such a good episode. It was, it was so fun to film, but also like... I think you get to really understand our like preferences really and well. And I feel like it's very it's it's one of the episodes when we are strangely the most complimentary towards all of these shows. Yeah. Especially towards TVD. We were like, when real TVD's really fun actually. When TVD like, is good, good, it's time. really good. And I yeah. think we showcase that. And I feel like we might have maybe, you know, we're stuck in the trenches of season five on TVD right now. So I think we needed that, you know? Yeah, it was like a little light in the dark. And you know what else is a light in the dark? The moon. <laughs> this episode is all about werewolves. <laughs> Man, what a killer transition. I haven't had to do one of those in a while, huh? That was nice. That was smooth. So the... Netflix description for this episode is Elijah makes a power grabbing move after accusing Klaus of inaction and the Michelsons throw an extravagant party in an attempt to bring peace. I love how the sentence completely like 180s after those first like seven words, you know, (laughs) like initially it's like, okay, so Elijah's making a move. Klaus isn't doing anything. And then it's like, oh, but wait, the Michelsons are throwing a party. I really did enjoy this episode, actually. Me too. Here's the thing. While I was Mm -hmm. watching it, I was a little tired and I had heard a little bit. So, like, I wasn't, like, fully into it. But I think thinking back over what happened in the episode, it was, like, a really good episode. It's a really good episode. I think also because it kind of, it sets up what's going to be happening for for the later half of the season. Where are we in the later Mm -hmm. half? We are are super in the later half. This is episode 17 out of uh, 22. So I guess it's really just setting up the last arc for this season. But also, Mm -hmm. I think that 
it kind of changes the landscape of the originals in a way in my brain like to me at least this is the mm-hmm. first time that i mean the originals has already kind of set itself apart from tvd but for me By this being one, good right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for me this episode really really set it apart in terms of genre uh-huh. This felt like I was watching a like a war drama, like one of those old fashioned timey war dramas go down where like everyone's making plans. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to set up a strategy to gain the most power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very different vibes from whatever TVD has going on. Like TVD is like a comedy slick sla- slap slick um teen show this is like a very adult i'm watching a movie about war show yeah i think also the originals very much focuses more on like community than Mm -hmm. tvd does yeah like tvd is about like the world's worst friend group yeah tvd or the originals is like about the community capital t capital c the community Mm -hmm. right and so i really like that this episode especially like again it's called moon over bourbon street hey guys do you think this one is about the werewolves hey guys (laughs) hey guys do you think this is about werewolves (laughs) it very much sets it up though especially with what klaus reveals in this episode about like the moonlight rings Mm -hmm. um it very much sets this apart as like and in, in the Vampire Diaries, the werewolves are there for, like, a little bit of spice, a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. The werewolves are here as, like, a main dish mm-hmm. in the originals. Mm-hmm. And tra- I really enjoyed that because, like, we've seen vampires for how fucking goddamn long right. in, in TVD. This right. is like, hey, there are others. <laughs> there's <laughs> witches. Did you know that there's, like, witches and werewolves? And also humans are like a big part of living peacefully. Like I really, I I, really, really enjoy this episode as sort of like building out the world of the originals. Right. I also really love this, this building peace aspect of the episode. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting um, place to take the show, especially because with TVD, they just throw that out the window. They're just like, peace is not going to be have. Peace like, was human, never an option. Humans in don't TVD, like you. Peace was never an option. Humans don't like you. They're never going to like you. And um, you have to kind of like undermine them. The vampires have to undermine them in a way. Um, but as we are, the originals are, has already stepped, um, has already, I guess, made clear is that humans play an integral part in this world too because they know at least not all humans but you know the ones who are majorly empowered know about um vampires and are allowed to coexist as long as they don't like what they like follows a certain set of rules mm-hmm. um yeah. so like it's so interesting that humans actually get a say in this show Especially because it's a supernatural show where humans usually don't get, like, any say at all. Like, you're just, like, fodder for supernatural beings, usually. Exactly. Um, I like that we have so many different humans that are treated as, like, an actual threat on this show versus, like, TVD has Maddie Blue Eyes. (laughs) And that's it. Well, that's they, my guy. They used to Even have like the didn't get to be a supernatural threat without becoming a hunter and also a ghost fucker. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like I like the show. The show is good. <laughs> it's like it's 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 a different level of threat too. Like, I feel like in TVD, if there's a threat, it's probably from humans. It's probably gonna um only last for like an episode or an arc, and then they're gonna mm-hmm. go away and fade away to the background. Here it seems they're way more in the foreground, and they have a more longevity in like yeah. the story. Yeah, and I especially like how they're treated very ominously. Like Francesca comes in, and you're like, "Oh fuck, that's like, a who bitch. Right. That's a bad right. bitch about to pull some shit." Right. You know what I mean? You're like, like who she is walks she? in looking like that, talking to Elijah like that, right, bitch? You're like, who is this woman? And then who you find she? out, and then you find out she's a what is it, a drug cartel fighter. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah, she is a philanthropist. And also the leader of a drug cartel. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Just girl bossy things. Like, very much a girl boss. And yeah. I do love me a it's, girl boss. You all know I do. And it's so unexpected, too, because I feel like, again, not to continue the comparisons, but in TVD, the humans are so, like, good in a way, you know? There's not really yeah, a lot like of good gray people. area. They're like pure of heart, good of right. good, pure of heart, dumb of ass. But yes, those are right. the humans on TVD. Here, there's like there's this gray area where you're like, oh, this is supposed to be the new leader faction. Mind you, before the, this drug dealer, they had a pastor leading. Literally, Father Kieran, who is dying and like being a goddamn menace this episode. Right. And then they're like, actually, no, let's make it a little more interesting and now have someone who's more in the gray area in terms of wanting what's best for humans. But like, sure, why not? She should be in charge of the human faction. It's it's so interesting. And Jordan, cover your ears for the next 10 seconds. Okay. To everybody um, who's watched this show before and is like, oh, my God, but you're ignoring X. I know. I'm doing it for Jordan's sake. We are ignoring X. Thank you. Jordan, put your headphones back on. <laughs> you can come back can I, now, Jordan. Okay, okay. I was going to say, can I come back? I was watching the screen to see if I could come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got you. I like that you just fully took your headphones off. Oh, yeah. I had to take them off because they're so loud. I can't, I, I can't just like. Ignore my it. ears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had to take them off and then also like close my ears because they were still loud. <laughs> okay, so should we actually talk about this episode, which I think generally is very good? Yeah. I have to say. Uh-huh. This episode starts with like Klaus doing his broody thing and painting and also kind of fucking Genevieve. Who, mm-hmm. how has she convinced the witches not to kill her to I get back their last child? Could not tell you. Like, sure, she's like a powerful witch. Sure, cool. Right. Somebody in that community lost their child. And the only and way to get that like... child back is to murder that bitch? You would not catch me without, like, my knife on me at all times. I am killing that bitch when I get the chance. Right. And it's not murder because she's not supposed to be alive in the first place. Right. It's just Technically, putting her back where she belongs. Technically, she doesn't exist anymore. It's just putting like, her back where she belongs. How, I, 
we don't get any like inclination of it this episode and i don't remember if we do but like how have you convinced the witches not to murder you they probably are like how? scared of klaus no I mean, like, but they're unleashed now. They have Harvest Girls. They have fucking Monique, who is child soldier number one. That's true. That's true. Like, how has Monique not killed Genevieve yet? Honestly, do I think Monique really cares? No. I think she cares about killing vampires, and I think Klaus would be a good target. So I don't see why Klaus would be the thing to be like, this is what dissuades her from... No, I'm saying she, I don't think she has motivation to kill Genevieve. Like she doesn't care about the last girl. She's she's back. Being she doesn't dead. care. Right. She's just like I got all this power. Whatever. I mean, she doesn't even just, like. Um, what's her name? What's Danielle's name again? Um, Davina. Davina. Wow, we she both had to like, think about that one, <laughs> Davina. Though <laughs> she doesn't even like Davina. You know. Like, she definitely does not want another one of those girls coming back. She's, like, over them. How How is Genevieve still alive and causing problems and being a hot <laughs> bitch? Like, I know being a hot bitch and causing problems is, like, that'll get you far. That'll mm-hmm. get you real far. But, like, damn. Also, when Elijah walks into the room and finds Genevieve, like, half naked, um, he's just, like... I trust you can find your clothing and the door. And she, she, that's how she's dismissed. She gets dismissed like this three times this episode. Oh, yeah. Everybody walks into a room, says, be gone, slut. And then she just vanishes. And you're like, like, okay, well, I guess it works. Of, everyone's everyone's participating in a little bit of sexism this episode. And honestly, against her, I support it. Because again, <laughs> I do not know how you are still alive. <laughs> Um, we get confirmation that this, before the title card, we get confirmation that this is one month after the last episode. Basically, Elijah and Klaus are at odds because Klaus hasn't done anything for the last month except paint. Uh, and Elijah's like, fine, fuck it. I will gather everybody to St. Anne's and we will try and hammer out a piece. So next scene is Elijah and Father Kieran, who is a snappy bitch this episode, and Genevieve and he has every and right to be. And he has every right. Okay, he is hexed. Right. He is not having a good time here. Exactly. Uh, Elijah, like, walks in and he's like, here are the rules of the city according to Marcel Girard. And he holds up this, like, fancy document. And then he just rips it in half. He's like, which, of course, no longer apply because I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> And bitch! (laughs) There have been, I bet, many lifetimes in which Elijah has been a theater student. Yeah. Because that shit is some theater kid shit if I've ever fucking seen it. Like, that man has many degrees in theater, period. I mean, he wears a suit all the time. Who else is this traumatic? Who is doing it like him? Truly. Who is doing it like him? (laughs) In... A greenhouse, uh, Monique, the other uh, Harvest girl whose name is Abigail, which I just learned right now from the transcript, Me too. and Davina are all practicing spells on dried roses. They're trying to like get their roses to return to life. Um, and Monique and Abigail are like killing the game. Davina, 
is not killing the game. She is struggling. She is struggling. And so they're like, oh, my God. See, it's easy. All you have to do is try. Davina's like, oh, my God, but I am trying. It looks like, yeah, trying and failing. Like, this is such just mean girl shit. No, it really is. That I think it's insanely good. Their their whole dynamic is just mean girls. And also, (laughs) I can totally relate to Davina. That's me trying to do anything. (laughs) Me too. I'm also trying and failing. Right. Monique also says, like, some lines of, like, you're supposed to be a Harvest girl, but maybe you don't belong here. Maybe you never did. Which gives you some pause of, like, they sort of allude to Davina being an outsider amongst the witches even before the whole Harvest girl debacle. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that because they showed her being very close with Monique before. And I feel like as long as you got, like, a bestie like Monique. Mm Mm-hmm. That's your bestie right there. Like, you can't be that much of an outsider if you have a bestie. Well, I feel like after the they're, them dying. <laughs> after the whole dying thing. After the whole death and dying thing. Um, I think that Tavila and Monique were obviously on opposite sides. Yeah. Of an argument. And, like, that never got resolved. So, like, they are no longer besties. Like... They and are no longer no, besties. And, like, probably are not going to be besties for a while because, um, I don't know. Just, I feel like Monique, especially when she came back. I feel like very much a personality change. No, yeah. Like, especially because she was been talking to those, like, witches down there forever, right? So, like, yeah. they were, like, busy, like, brainwashing her and, like, convincing yeah. her of all this stuff. So, she definitely, like, had a personality switch. Um, and that personality switch definitely caused her and Davina to no longer be buddy-buddy. So I think it makes sense that, like, Davina, especially because she dissipated the ancestors by, like, staying alive. And then she, um, then she, like, came back and, like, is struggling with all this magic. I think it makes sense that Monique's like, you're maybe you don't belong you don't belong here. You're an outsider. I just I just it's the maybe you never did line that has me like uh, scratching my head. Maybe Honestly, maybe Monique doubted her in some ways. I don't know. Like in the past. It's just but- weird. I feel like they sort of like allude to it a few other times. It's like she was always sort of like an outsider amongst the witches. Hmm. Um but, but like, maybe they never maybe fully, it's, like talk about maybe it. It's not really her, but um wait is sophie sophie that's her name right davina's who um, davina's i don't know how she's related to davina either is that her older sister her no sophie Devereaux was her older was monique's aunt davina doesn't have anybody as far as we know oh okay maybe they're alluding to the fact that she was like an orphan or something like that um to okay, which i, I say gonna... wow real original backstory there but like <laughs> okay because i was gonna say maybe it's because of her relation to sophie but like that's Div- that's monique's relative yeah that's Correct. monique yeah. and again monique did murder her <laughs> right monique did murder her. <laughs> and then walk um, off like a girl boss right um so i don't know i don't weird. know it's it is weird it is weird Anyway, uh, we hard cut to the bayou where the werewolves are having their little fight club. 
They are, this shows like two, two dudes are like fighting each other and um, just like wrestling. Uh, and Jackson is just, he like claims that it's all for like pecking order and he's already sort of like the alpha. He doesn't need to do that. Um, but this is for like everybody else, I guess. Um, <laughs> um they're like out in the middle of fucking nowhere and Oliver just exists to cause problems continually <laughs> um, because he's he like walks up and he's like you know word from the quarter is that your boy Elijah's holding some kind of power summit guess who's out here in the middle of bumfuck nowhere not invited uh, and Haley is immediately rightly so I think suspicious and is like where the fuck did you hear this but Oliver's like don't worry about it what the point is that we're fucking stuck out here while your vampire boyfriend's deciding who gets what in the city. And um we cut back to the summit where everybody's like yelling and arguing. Uh and Haley storms the fuck in. Uh and they like begin arguing again and Haley and Elijah have this little like back and forth um, of like giving the werewolves a voice at the table when the werewolves don't technically live in the city proper they live again in the bayou Mm -hmm. however that is because they were pushed out of the city proper by the vampires and witches and everybody else so I'm really not super sure about uh Elijah's reasoning here. Oh yeah, no, he totally is like making excuses because, like, especially something that Klaus says later on about how, uh, about like the werewolves and they're like how there'll never be peace unless they work with the werewolves because, of course, they would. They're like have been watching from the sidelines as people have taken over, um. They're they're I guess they're like land and property or whatever, um, over the course of how many years and they've had no say over it. Um Yeah, there were some illusions earlier in the series about the fact that the werewolves did rule this city once right. as well. Right. Um so like like just, previously there was a strong werewolf presence in New Orleans. So just like it makes sense that like I mean it doesn't make sense that I don't know why Elijah doesn't think that, like, the werewolves would want to say in what happens in the city. Like, of course they would. Like, they're not there. They're not in the bayou of free will, of course. Like, like who willingly wants to live in the bayou? Like, right. not to be rude, but, like, it's a swamp. Right. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, shaking it if you dig it. But also, I have lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's not like you're there for fun. Right. It's not like there's money to be made or entertainment to be had out in the middle of fucking nowhere unless you're like already in a position of power like a landowner. And obviously the werewolves aren't. And then also, is that even really peace when you think about it? Because um, the peace that was being manufactured there was just between werewolves, not even werewolves, sorry, between um, vampires and witches, right? So you're just leaving out a huge sector of, like, the supernatural beings who, like, you live right next to. Like, how is that even fair? 
How's that? Also, it was also also with the humans as well. Oh yeah, sorry with the humans as well. Yes, but like you're you're just leaving out a huge section. Like if if the werewolves are like left out of that peace treaty, who's to say they won't attack? You know. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so, it's so careless in a way. And honestly, I think that Elijah kind of reads a little jealous. He sure does. He, like, reads a little jealous this entire episode of Haley and her leaving the the um, the compound. The, the compound and, like, starting a new life with her betrothed husband, I guess, in the bayou. Yeah. Um, he le- he reads as very jealous, and like that jealousy is clouding a lot of his judgment. It is, and I also, we are not gonna like, we're not gonna forget about the fact that Jackson is like they're still playing this like betrothed husband right. line. <laughs> right, weird, still weird. weird. It was weird when they started it. It's Still a little now. weird now. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's never going to not be not a little weird. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, it's, it's very weird. Like, why did you decide on it? On this being a... St- like, you couldn't have just been like, they were long lost lovers or something. They have to be betrothed to each other. Betrothed as children to unite to vampire to werewolf clans, like it's just weird. You could have pulled like a, a like a little Stellina, long lost lovers from <laughs> the beginning of time, but, but you, you didn't. didn't. You pulled the betrothed to be wedded line. Oh come you, on, you, you guys. pulled the the child royalty line. The here. least romantic of them all. Come on, you guys. And I also really between them throughout it all, I really never quite see the romance between them they don't really have any chemistry when you think about it they just don't yeah i just don't think they have a ton of chemistry it's just really weird like i could buy it i could buy it if they were like super into one another sorry to do another tangent but again for like the a business proposal he's like this like super rich chable which is like um somebody who's like has thrown to like a family fortune or whatever because their their family is like a part of a huge company like in charge of a huge like the CEO of a huge company and there's a lot of like passing it down to your children in Korea right they're called mm-hmm. tables so like he's like this super rich upper echelon guy and she's like she works for his company like she's an employee so like you're like oh that's kind of weird little bit of like a power imbalance there kind of weird but like they kind of sell it because they have so much chemistry where you're like okay i kind of want them to get together like i can push all that aside yeah like i can ignore it if you actually have good chemistry right. this is still weird and it this will just, always be it's weird just, it's just no chemistry no romance not, not a romantic storyline in sight and just weird we get another uh klaus and genevieve scene where Genevieve is sort of like filling Klaus in on what happened during the power summit I like that she's sort of like obviously a spy for him in this way I, I do kind of dig it mm-hmm. uh Cammy walks in and she's like hey I saw the life in the courtyard and took the chance that you weren't with a half-naked psycho witch 
seems I lost that bet. And Genevieve is just like, 10 minutes ago, I was fully naked. And <laughs> Cammy comes in clutch with the slut shaming here. She's like, oh, then you served your purpose. Don't let me hold you up. It's like, like the writing is so bad. <laughs> no, it? I kind of love it, actually. It's so... I it's think... it's so bitchy. Like it's so, it's so bitchy teenage it's, girl. It's so bitchy 2010s teenage girl. Like that's what it's giving. And I love it like that. I think it's fun. I think a little <laughs> bit of slut shaming can sometimes be very fun. <laughs> Not to be rude, but I think a little bit of slut shaming can sometimes be fun. Maybe like if you hate the character enough. And yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. And I think that's sort of like what they're banking on here is like, oh, you hate this bitch enough that Cammy gets to be like in her mean girl era. Uh, when usually she's like, oh, yeah, she, I just realized that she is. This episode, she's off her rockers like she is done being the nice girl. What's she is truly her? just like. She is on some shit this episode. Yeah. She's like going through it. She and fair enough, struggling. but she is like going through it. Struggling. Oof. Klaus and Kimmy have this little back and forth about her uncle. She's like, can you help him? Klaus is like, no, sorry. Like, hexes start with magic, but once they take root, they alter the very chemistry of the brain. I'm sorry. Damage is done. Can't do anything. Then we cut to the bestie squad. The besties of all time. Mm -hmm. Truly a bright spot. In any episode they're in, even if the episode is good, these two, bright spot. Yeah. Josh and Davina get a little reunion, and I love them. They're besties. Best friends. Best friends. Best friends. I love a best friend. I love a best friend. So they have like a little like, they have a little moment. And then you see the roof outside the, like, diner that they're in. You can see Marcel on a rooftop just, like, listening in to talk to them talking, which is, like, wild, my guy. He's just, he's dropping. He's just being a little weird. A little nosy. Uh, Thierry walks up to him and he's like, hey, what's up? Are you fucking on the outs with your little witch again? And essentially, Marcel is trying to get the gang back together to take back New Orleans. Uh, And Thierry is like, you know, you got nothing. You got no weapons, no allies. You have fucking nothing. Uh, And Marcel gives some, like, pretty speech. Thierry's like, that's cool and all, but, like, pretty speeches don't win you cities, bestie. Uh, and then, like, walks away. Oh, they're no longer good friends, huh? They're no longer besties. They're on the outs. Oh. There's a lot of used-to-be besties, no longer besties, still besties, you know? A lot of that's going on. Yeah, there's a lot. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot of, like, besties being unbestied and besties rebestying this mm-hmm. episode we got i gotta stop saying the word bestie i'm sorry <laughs> i gotta i'm my bit can my i be bit, can i be real for a second yeah 
Whenever I see Bestie in a tweet, it does make me cringe a little now. I know. It's like gotten to the point where, like, kinda... unfortunately, I started saying it ironically, and now I just say it, and I'm like, this is awful. Like, saying it? All right, whatever. But seeing it written out, I can't do it anymore. You guys got to stop. We're not best friends. We're not best friends. We're not friends. best friends. We're, like, Unless Twitter you are mutual. my best friend, in right. which case, you don't call me Bestie anyway. You call me dickhead. Like, you exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. We're not best friends. I don't know. Whenever I see it now, it kind of comes off a little snarky, even though that's not the intention. And just like you guys, maybe we should stop using the word bestie for people who are not your besties in like real life. Like I get it. You're trying to be close with somebody. But like if you're really close with someone, do you really call them bestie or do you call them what like B said, dickhead? Let's be I mean, rough. I feel like some friends groups have other names, but dickhead is... <laughs> I mean, you just call somebody. My friends call me. You call you call somebody by like a nickname or by like a group assigned like I'm fucking around with you name. You know? Yeah. But like you know a group around fuck. You know a group assigned fuck around. Yeah, I'm familiar. Um, but yeah, no, we gotta we gotta get Bessie out of our system. You guys, stop. We gotta stop saying Bessie. Like, let's stop it. We gotta. Kieran is trying to chain himself, chain his ankles to the floor in the attic. Uh, And he, he is like fully losing it now. He like goes off on this tangent about how like, I prayed for you and I got no answer. There is only blackness. There is only death, mine and yours. And he like tries to like kill her. He like reaches out to try and kill her. And she like scrambles to the ground and he like has her leg and he's like trying to pull her towards him. And this is a very brutal fucking scene. Yeah. And she eventually fucking hits him over the head with a lamp and is just like, what the fuck just happened? That was kind of traumatizing when you think about it absolutely traumatizing like cammy that's is your in the, uncle Cammy's that's like in, your guy cammy's in the dumps this episode okay like he's really like fighting in the trenches right like now she is, she, this episode she is fighting for her life okay so like like the whole like getting later on she gets drunk totally understandable because that was so traumatizing (laughs) like oh my god yeah watching it unfold i was stressed i was like is he dead no please don't be dead at rousseau's elijah takes a meeting with francesca correa Mm -hmm. she is introduced as a hot bitch (laughs) who causes problems (laughs) She's, like, the owner of the, like, Palace Royale Casino, one of the city's leading philanthropists, and also the matriarch to a rather sizable drug trafficking empire. A a, a great resume. I'm not going to lie to you. I would give her the job Mm -hmm. on the spot. And she says that, like, her family has been involved in the human faction for years. It's just always been the O'Connells actually leading it. Um, she basically just tells Elijah, you're going to be dealing with me from now on. 
period. And she like does not leave any questions in the matter. She is like, I am your, I am the human faction leader now. Like I've already made deals with like the city's new mayor and chief of police. Hey, remember Klaus killed them? <laughs> like remember that those yeah. two people died? I so totally, now <laughs> that totally reminded me of that happening. I was like, right, they're those people are dead. <laughs> I like that they kind of follow up on it. They're like, hey, don't worry. Francesca's got you covered. (laughs) (laughs) She's got you covered. Fran's on the case. And um, she she very much wants peace in the city because if there's upheaval, there's more chance that her very delicate position as city's leading philanthropist, also drug trafficker, like, She wants peace because peace is much better for business for her. So she is Elijah's ally very much like from the beginning here. Mm -hmm. She very much bills herself as Elijah's ally, which I like. Klaus and Elijah have another little chat. I like that these two kind of hate each other this episode. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's like seeing brothers fight, but like they but they still, still get to... shit done, right? They still have to work together. It's like it's like two brothers who are fighting, but like their mom's coming home soon, and they have to clean up the house. <laughs> they have to clean up the house and get that chicken out of the freezer to defrost. You right. have to, and like <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like we both have a lot of experience with that exact oh, situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally have a sibling, and like. <laughs> totally know what that's like i meant very much like mom's coming home and you didn't do the shit she asked you to now you gotta hurry like oh no yeah that's that's literally was my entire life growing up like oh i forgot to do said thing (laughs) klaus has this interesting klaus has a lot of interesting things to say here while not really saying anything at all um Klaus is like, you know, if you want peace, you have to begin with the werewolves. A hundred years ago, they had a run at ruling the city. And as of late, all they've had time is all they've had is time to watch their enemies tear down that legacy. And he tells Elijah, basically, if the table's an obstacle, if it's hard to get them at the table, remove the table. Have fun. Throw a party. And then they both sort of like smile at each other conspiratorially. And then we go into a party montage. Ugh. And guys, I know TVD does a decade dance pretty well. The originals knows how to throw a fucking party. Yeah, it's a real party. I feel like we mention this every time there's a party involved in the episode. They know how to make it work for them. Like, like there's a difference between a high school party and, adult, and an adult party. This is an adult party. <laughs> And I like, here's the thing I think is the fundamental fundamental difference between party episodes of the Vampire Diaries and party episodes of the originals. Mm-hmm. I think TVD tries to make it like the focus of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the originals is very much like, we're doing this to get to another part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Even though I think this episode, more of this episode happens during this party than does not you know what i mean yeah i agree i, I guess I, I get what you're saying party though. takes out like takes like half the up i think okay I, I get what you're saying though like parties are more seen as like a plot device versus like being the main 
plot. They're a plot device in a different way than the decade dances are plot devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the decade dance is always like a point for which the plot to revolve around. Mm-hmm. And these parties are very much like we are using this party to move the plot along. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot going on here. <laughs> this, again, like I said, the originals knows how to throw a fucking party. And it's like everybody's mingling. There's like a fountain of fire. There's like everybody's looking cute. I think they have a very attractive cast overall. Uh, but you will never come convince me that Oliver or Jackson are like attractive unfortunately Um, Mm -hmm. they do just look like CW-ified hardy boys I think (laughs) that's always how I think of them is it is always as like the hardy boys and they're always like one is one is brunette one is blonde one is Frank one is Joe I think that's (laughs) the names of the hardy boys like I don't for like the my first time watching through the originals, I didn't remember what the fuck Oliver's name was. Period. Honestly, you saying it right now is like, oh, right, that person that I saw on screen. Like, yeah, no, I think it's also hard when your name's Oliver. It's life's hard when your name is Oliver. I think, <laughs> and that's why he's such a little shithead twenty four seven. Life's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Francesca and uh, Elijah talk. Um, The vampires and werewolves are like itching for a fight, but Jackson is sort of like trying to keep the peace between them. So Elijah and Francesca have this little chat of like, you know, I've already settled the dispute over the docks. I pacified the witches with an increased share in cemetery tours, and I've given the Crescents a welcome back to humanity gift in the form of $100 chips to my casino. She is wheeling and dealing already. Oh, she is on her shit. She is okay. on her girl boss shit, actually. She knows what she has to do and is willing to do it. She's willing to fucking do it. Like, everybody else is like, oh my god, I'm having such a bad time and I don't want to be at this table for peace talks. Francesca's like, hey, do you want some free chips to my casino? Hey, here's some, like, increased share in the cemetery tours. Go wild. You know what I mean? Like, she's just like, I will get this shit done. She's like, Sometimes you just need a bad bitch to to get shit done. (laughs) She's just like, I'm here to do what I need to do to get everyone else on my side so I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. All right? I'm not the bad guy here. We cut back to the pub where Josh... the pub? It's more of like a diner. It's not like a bar. I don't know why the transcript has it as a pub. I think that's a little silly. It's very obviously a diner. Anyway, um... Marcel pops into the diner across from Josh and he's like, I'm not here to kill you, but Davina has to start doing magic again. And he's like really insistent about this point. And he says it's for her own safety because if she doesn't start doing magic again, like she's not safe anywhere. But it also definitely does not read as genuine concern for Davina's safety. Maybe that's just me. I think. But like. I think it just like does not seem like he really he like he needs an ally. He needs a witch ally. I think it's mainly like throughout all this time he's been plotting to get what's his what he thinks is rightfully his back. 
So, like, yeah, no, you're right on calling him out and saying, like, you're not looking out for the best interest of Demina, even though you say you are, because, like, his, like, main goal throughout this entire episode is to, like, somehow get somebody on his side so he can gain back some more power. Yeah, it feels like he's really just, like, reaching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's scrabbling or for not, any he, sort of, like, foot. He's not even, he like, get, fully you know what reaching. I mean? He's probably just lying. <laughs> yeah. Just spreading a little lie to get Josh to help him out. It's just... I don't know. It... To me, it does not read as genuine concern for Davina's safety, mm-hmm. uh, which is what he tries to like pass it off to Josh as. Yeah. Um, but that might just be me, and right now, Marcel's not my bestie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. He was before, and he will be again. And um, back at the party, Diego is ready to start some shit. Uh, and we learned Diego sort of like the cliff notes of his tragic backstory. Uh, werewolves killed his whole family. Uh, his sister bled on the floor right next to him. The only reason that Diego survived is because Marcel came along and turned him into a vampire before she bled out or before he bled out too. <sighs> what situation? <laughs> Can we theory craft a little bit? Because mm-hmm. what situation is a werewolf pack coming through town, just murdering some people willy nilly, with a vampire hot on their t- hot on their tails? Like, why? Why are they doing that? Why are they killing? So people? unlikely. Yeah. I know that they just needed a reason for Diego to hate werewolves more than anybody else hates werewolves. Cool, great, fine, valid. The way, the way that they were like, my sister bled out, or the, just like the way he's like, my sister bled out on the floor before me. The only reason I didn't is because Marcel came along. Um, what? <laughs> anyway, we never hear about this backstory again, so we're safe to ignore it, I guess. It's like a made-up story that they want us to believe, but I'm not believing shit. Yeah, I don't buy this, but. I mean, okay. you are certainly selling it. Right. Elijah makes some thinly veiled threats at Jackson for Jackson's sort of like disruption of the peace. Genevieve and Klaus have this little discussion before Klaus sort of like notices Jackson walking up the stairs and is like, hey, BRB, gotta go. Um, and you don't understand what's going on until you see Jackson in Klaus's painting study uh and they have this back and forth and Jackson makes this point of like okay so Klaus is like you know our hearts are more similar than you might realize you see long before I evolved mine beat as a werewolf etc 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 shit that we already know um he Klaus also says I know your power I know your burden I'm here to take the ladder away weird way to word that but mm-hmm. okay Jackson's like, I'm not going to become a hybrid. I'm not going to let anything compromise my family line, especially becoming some bloodthirsty vampire parasite. (sighs) What? How does that even work when you think about it? Because it's not like... (laughs) Would... If he and Haley had been married, would they have been like, 
obligated to have children? But also, like, Haley's already having a child with somebody who's going to have vampire blood in them. And we don't... There's an interesting thing about the Vampire Diaries universe is that we don't technically know if hybrids can or cannot have children because the only one that we know of is klaus and we can maybe just assume his blood is special or that hybrids can have children like i mean if you think about it it does kind of make sense that they can have children because they're not fully vampire like a vampire is dead right but like yeah and so the reason that vampires can't have children is because they are technically dead but when you become a werewolf, right, it's that you murdered somebody. And you already have that gene, like, to begin with. Right. So, like, I guess the true question is, are you dead and then that gene is just activated? Or are you dead but that gene is activated and then you're kind of like, I don't know. There's, like, because in order to or- in order to become a, a, a vampire, right, you die and then you have to drink the blood of a human, right? So, like, yeah, so your base state as a vampire is dead. In order to, quote unquote, activate the vampire gene, if we were to think about it like that, you would need to die first. Yeah, and then you would have to, in order to activate the werewolf part, you would have to drink someone's to completion of killing them or just kill them in general, right? Yeah, you you have to kill somebody. So maybe so is like... the base state of vampires dead, the base state of werewolves is alive. So maybe there's like some in you're sort of just like maybe you're just like PEMDOSing down to be like, okay, well technically werewolves are still alive, so they can still have kids. Yeah, that's because what I'm it's kind never of like confirmed but technically klaus was a hybrid and did have a child like like maybe the gene activates something that makes you a little bit more alive than an actual vampire than like a regular human maybe yeah because you were never a regular human to begin with right they never say anything i just think this is a weird line from jackson um it's no, it's super weird on on different levels. Not gonna let anything compromise my family line. When you already have someone who's literally about to have a child, who would technically quote unquote compromise have family line. Like, are you just not gonna accept that child then as a part of your family? Then the other thing you have to think about is, like, so has Haley compromised her family line by having? Sex with a werewolf? I'm sorry, what sex with the vampire? You know, it, I don't it's a weird line. It's a weird line, it's a right? Line. Like would they be obligated? Would Haley and Jackson be obligated to, and I'm gonna say this with extreme quotation marks, produce an heir if they had been married? Like, are we talking some real like Victorian like royalty shit like right what if you just don't want kids right (laughs) what happens then what happens if you can't have kids right like what happens then like 
I just, it's such a weird line and it gets you spiraling thinking about like how do werewolf hierarchies work? Like, especially because not technically everybody in the clan is not even tactically related, right? No, a pack can be comprised of many different families. Right. So like, then how does that even work? So then would only Jackson's... For the Crescent Clan, would only Jackson's children be able to be alphas? Or could, like, I hate the way I'm going to word this, and I know we are triggering somebody, but, like, if two betas had a kid, could that kid be an alpha? Or would it just be always a beta forever? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird to think about, and it's such a weird line. It's just such a weird line. It's just such a weird line, you guys. This fucking... This fucking show, dude. Klaus and Jackson have some more back and forth. Klaus is like, I'm not trying to undermine Elijah's venture. I'm supporting his vision. Vampires destroy life to survive. Witches are only as powerful as their dead. But the werewolves have thrived because their strength comes from family unity. The safety of that unity is what I want for my unborn child. The painful truth is vampires are the antithesis of unity. Such a weird... Another weird line. Vampires are the antithesis of unity. Here's why I think the line kind of works better for um, Klaus. Mm -hmm. Is because like... He's seen how over the course of their entire lives, the Michaelson family has split up. Um, and there's, he, I think he's still reeling from like the betrayal from Rebecca, honestly, and his and Elijah. Um, so he's like vampires are the antithesis of loyalty because like he lost um, his sister. Um, but if you really think about it, that's not why that happens. It's not because you're a vampire. It's because you yourself are too controlling and yeah. have abusive tendencies. I, I feel like <laughs> this line is very much Klaus having a lot of unchecked mental issues for millions of years and then being like, but everybody else is so mean. Like, no, my brother in Christ, you are paranoid. <laughs> um, Klaus? pulls out a ring now this is a callback i believe Mm -hmm. from when he found that other werewolf in the town the night of the storm um he pulls out carrie's ring um which is i think oh what the fuck is his actual father's name anders or something like that Mm -hmm. um anyway uh he pulls out Ansel is his father's name. There oh. we go. Jesus. I was like, sorry, I just had to check the wiki. I was like, what the fuck is that guy's name? So this is technically Ansel's ring. Uh, and it is a moonlight ring. So daylight rings shield vampires from the sun. So why not a moonlight ring to protect vampires from the curse? What Think like- about it. No more breaking bones. No more losing control to the beast within. Which is, like, so, like, rudimentary. When you hear it, you're like, okay, yeah, of course. 
but also it hits real right. hard. Right. It's good. Right. This is that good dumb shit, you know? I've been waiting for some of this. They're like, you guys think you're so clever. It's kind of funny that you guys think you're so clever for this. You're like, ha ha ha. Look what we came up with. It's not that clever, but it works. It works really well. Thank you for this. It's cool. It works really well, especially when you compare it to the daylight rings from vampires, which like don't do that much. Right. Like, congrats, you can go out in the sun now. Um, these rings make it so that you're way more powerful and you don't have to turn during the full moon. Whoa. Cool ring. Cool fucking ring, dude. Cool. Also, I don't think this play from Klaus would have worked on anybody but a Crescent Wolf and especially Jackson. Oh, because of Because the Jackson past. just spent so long as a wolf. Right. He's only had a month as a regular human. Hey, also, what happened to all those wolves' credit scores? <laughs> what happened to all their stuff? They're they- living out in the bayou. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, but like... Imagine trying to get a job and having to explain the, like, five-year gap on your resume. You're just like, yeah, I know I technically just one day up and disappeared from my other job. Don't worry about it. I was just a wolf. <laughs> like, what? What happened to your credit score? Maybe you, can, <laughs> maybe you can play it off as going missing if somebody, like, followed a missing report once you turned into a, a wolf. Whole time. Oh, true. So you think like Evie filed like seventeen different like missing persons reports for all members of her pack, and then they one day just appeared, and everybody's like, "Okay, chill, I guess." Because like- the only reason you gotta file the missing report is so that when your job act, where where were you for five? You're like, "Oh, I was kidnapped. I went missing," and then you're like, "They're like, huh?" And then they look it up. And they find your <laughs> the file from the police department that says you've been missing for five years. And they're like, oh, okay, I believe you. Like, <laughs> it is such a wild, like... You got to go through a lot of hoops, but it's, it's possible. Imagine spending your one day of a month that you are off from being a werewolf filing a missing persons report for, for yourself. yourself. Like, I just think that's so funny. I'm sorry, I just thought about that. Like, what happened to all of these wolves' identities while they were all, you know, wolves? Anyway, like I said, I don't think this gambit from Klaus would have worked for anybody but Jackson. I really don't think it would. Also, which now is interesting to me because both of the like top wolves we've seen, Jackson and Oliver, are now making deals with some sort of outside entity. Mm. Um, like Oliver's obviously doing some shady shit. Jackson is now doing some shady shit. Like, who isn't doing some shady shit as a wolf? No, everyone is, even Haley, to some extent. Even Haley's doing some shady shit. Anyway, uh Oliver hits on Davina and um, hey, she's like 16. Right. Canonically. And he's like a whole man. Right. Who's like mid-20s-ish by appearance. 
Hey, she's like 16. You're very weird. Weird move, dude. Weird move. Haley and Elijah have another little chat. Um, and Elijah tries to get her to return to the compound. She's like, no, I'm safer with the werewolf pack. And um, there's all that. Jackson kind of flies in and uh, steals Haley away from the dance that she's having with Elijah. And he's like, hey, you look really pretty tonight. And that's pretty much the extent of what he does for the rest of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, for real? He's like, hey, you look really good. Anyway, like, my guy? Not the time. Read the room, bestie. There's a lot going on here. Um, Cammy and Marcel get drunk. Wasted. Cammy offers him a julep minus the sugar and mint, which is just straight whiskey. Right. Um, I had to look up how you make a mint julep. For some reason, I knew that that was whiskey. I mean, every fucking... It's it's bourbon, but bourbon and whiskey are the same thing. Every fucking alcohol in this show is whiskey. Nobody ever is, like, drinking a nice tequila. I mean, nice tequila is an oxymoron. But, like, nobody's <laughs> ever having, like, a vodka soda or anything. And, like, there's gays on this show. Somebody should have gotten a vodka soda eventually. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Marcel found a... Uh, witch who doesn't hate him to do a boundary spell to keep Kieran inside the attic. So, hey, good job. Marcel did a good guy thing. Whoa. Is it again out of the kindness of his heart or is it because he's trying really, really hard to find an ally this episode? We don't know. I assume, I actually assume that he just likes Cammy and is like, don't worry, I'll help her. I think it's a little Um, bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, They're going to get fucking twisted. That's their subplot for this back half of this episode. (laughs) Diego makes some bad fucking joke about how Oliver should put his drink in a bowl for, uh, since, you know, he's a wolf and everything, which I think is objectively kind of a funny goof. Again, very much like 2010s bitchy humor, but I kind of dig it. (laughs) Diego's insult here reminds me of, like, this is, like, the pre- legacies lizzie insults you know what i mean yeah like yeah, this is yeah. very much like i could hear lizzie saying this line one thousand percent yeah but it doesn't work because diego's a fully grown man whereas lizzie i buy as a bitchy teenage girl right you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean like i would buy it if lizzie said this to like roth or jed right i would buy this one million percent but coming out of diego's mouth i'm like no you're a growing ass man <laughs> You pay taxes and stuff, my guy. You don't get a free pass for these bad insults. Anyway, they're about to um, fight, basically. Uh, Like, Diego picks Oliver up and throws him against the courtyard. Um, Oliver pins Diego against a wall. Elijah appears and pulls Oliver off of him before, like, pushing Oliver against a table. Jackson holds a stake aimed right at Diego's heart. Um, and Haley walks in on the staircase and she's like, what's stopping you? Kill him. Go ahead. And like... <laughs> <laughs> like... 
Francesca is standing next to Klaus and she's like, are you going to intervene? And Klaus is like, fuck no, this just got good. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like cut to commercial, which I think is so funny. <laughs> like fucking kill him. Cut to commercial. It's uh, so good. This show has funny timing sometimes. And I think putting a cut to commercial right after go ahead, kill him is very good. Actually. <laughs> Uh, Haley has this speech about how, like, you know, everybody's fucked each other over. Like, so maybe you should just, like, forgive and move on from this moment forward. Anyway, we cut back to the Bestie squad, to Josh and Davina. And I know that Bestie is kind of cringy, but I am going to keep calling them the Bestie squad. Because I think that's the only way to, like... It's not cringy in the way that you're using it now. It's only cringy when you're actually using it to refer to an actual person. Yeah, these two are the bestie squad, though. Right, exactly. Josh has some... uh, Josh has this, like, funny thing while they're, like, trying to... um, Davina's, again, trying to make this Rose live. And... um, Josh has this, like, story about, like, how his first boyfriend, his only boyfriend, got him roses for Valentine's Day one year. And uh, Josh's parents, Josh's homophobic parents, found them and tried to uh, shred them, basically. And he's like, you know, if your family doesn't like you the way you are, fuck them. You got me. You got Cammy. You have Marcel if you want. And, uh, again, Marcel did use her, so I'm not sure that she fully has him. Mm -hmm. Um, But okay. And um, Davina's like, you know, I don't have any magic. And Tasha's like, don't you owe it to yourself to find out you're a witch. You can't change your DNA any more than I can. So you might as well embrace it. Uh, And she whispers the spell again. And the flower quickly comes back to life. And she hands it to Josh, um, who makes this very, like, big brother aww at her. It's very sweet, Their entire this entire moment between the two of them. It's so, 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 so sweet. I love it. It's so sweet. I love them. They are, again, my besties. I also... I really like Josh. A lot of people... I've seen a lot of people who don't like him. What? Because they're like... He's only there to be gay. And I'm like, yeah, but he also is very much there to, like, encourage other people to go on their own self-exploratory journeys like Davina is doing here. So, like, yeah, he's gay because it's a funny ha-ha joke at first. But, like, genuinely, He's kind of the emotional support of the show. Yeah, like, I don't think Josh would be as good of a character if he was straight. Right. Period. Like... I don't know how many characters you can say that about. Like, sure, they do sometimes, like, make his only trait being gay. But also, I don't know if he's a good character at all if he's straight. Like, Especially when you think about Davina and Josh. Like, mm-hmm. their friendship relies on, like... Because this show will push any two people together. Let's be mm-hmm. real. They will push anyone yep. together. Uh-huh. Friendship- they will certainly try. Their genuine and, like, heartfelt friendship kind of does rely on him being gay for this show. 
Yeah, a little bit. Like, you know they would try some shit if she... If he wasn't, yeah. Right. I even am thinking about a character later who's bisexual, and, like, every man she comes across, they try and sort of, like, push her towards, and she's always like, dude, I like women, too. I, like, fully have a girlfriend. Can we just, like, chill the fuck out right now? And every man is like, no, we are going to continue to be weird about it. So I think maybe that's just how the originals is. Like they're just bad. <laughs> they're unfortunately it's a CW show. They're never gonna be normal about a sexuality. I'm so sorry. Right. Like, like they're never gonna be normal it. about any sexuality other than straight. So I've just learned to sort of like let it let it, happen. it like washes over my brain and just like out of my mind immediately. Right. Cause like it is in one ear, out the other. I'm like, oh fun, I like gay people. You know like, what I mean? The CW is horrible and like representing representing uh representing 3d uh, characters characters with like sexualities other than straight like they're so bad at it they don't have one show that does that well yeah and we will definitely have more to say about this when we get further into the originals and also to legacy i was about to say yeah it's even so bad and also tvd's not good at it again Luke's two character traits are he's gay and also Liv's brother. Like, that's it for character (laughs) traits for Luke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't know how to write gay people, unfortunately. They don't know how to write realistic gay people. There's no gay people on that staff. It's just so... I mean, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I do... I just like that. To be fair, Josh has had a like, this is the first sort of like big I'm gay speech that Josh has given, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does it as sort of like a found family thing in a way, Mm -hmm. which I really like because found family when you're queer hits different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like queer found families hit different. And also, no matter, like, Davina is not straight. Yeah. We can just say that. Yeah. Cammy also probably not straight. Yeah. Like, that whole little trio is just out here, like. <laughs> like, you're right. I just, I just thought of, like, them all doing the little, like, bisexual peace signs when they go out. Like, <laughs> you know, like, they are. That's, found family hits that's queer found when family hits right different there. When you're queer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Marcel and Cammy hook up. The important thing about this scene, Marcel sees a dream catcher in Cammy's apartment. Uh, and we see a shot of Genevieve holding a similar dream catcher, allowing her to spy on Marcel and Cammy having sex. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. uh, and Marcel takes the dream catcher out of Cammy's apartment and squishes it underfoot. Um. Hey guys. Yeah. Dream catchers. Yeah. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. we're not gonna have a large discussion about this, but do just know they aren't like some funky witchcraft thing. They are things that are important in Native American culture. Um, and mis- misappropriately used in this instance. 
obviously. I mean, if we're being and honest- I feel like we could say that about a lot of things in witchcraft in this show. Um, I think they use and sort of like they kind of like pick and choose from all of their from like everybody at some point. Um, but I feel like dream catchers are one of those things that like is easy to spot for for me anyway. Um, but like if they you, pick and choose and probably misappropriately use a bunch of different cultures when making witchcraft I mean, in this game. If you if you think about it, show. dream catchers are misappropriately used a lot, not only yes. in TV, and but it's like. like a really, it's a really... big problem. Anyway, back on the rooftop across the diner, Marcel meets with Thierry again, and Marcel's like, you know, his little speech is, I think, very good. Marcel says, you said I had nothing to Thierry, by the way. Thierry is who he's doing all this speech to, by the way. Marcel's like, you know, you said I had nothing. You were wrong. I had the same thing that I had when I rebuilt this city from ashes the first time. Everything to gain, nothing to lose. I'm making inroads, allies, allies. Why can I not read today, Jordan? (laughs) You are struggling. I'm making inroads, allies, not the least of which is Davina. And I'm not leaving this roof until I can count you in two. Besides, let's be honest, T. I'm all you've got. I know those vampires. They didn't just leave the compound. They left New Orleans. And Tyr's like, all right, so it's us against the world. And we're supposed to, you know, we'll get a third and a fourth. And pretty soon we're going to have that army. I I think this line is why I don't completely trust him re-Davina. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm making inroads allies, not the least of which is Davina. Again, you haven't had a conversation with Davina, my guy. My right. guy? You're just using you're using people to talk to you're her. You're using her again. Right, right. Basically. We get a closing montage of Klaus painting. Um he like stares at his painting and then he looks over and he grabs some uh silver paint and he gets to work painting a moon over New Orleans. Uh, and he's like, you know, all change begins with a plan, the success of which depends on several things. Depth of commitment, passion for one's cause, willingness to embrace embrace a new path, determination to overcome any obstacle, and in some cases, even making unnatural alliances. So we see uh, the at the compound, the leaders of the five factions, Elijah, Diego, Genevieve, Francesca, and Haley, Uh, have finally drafted their peace treaty. They each cut their palms and dip their blood into an inkwell in order to sign the document with a mixture of all of their blood. What do you think? (laughs) I'm no chemist. Mm -hmm. Or like ink connoisseur. Mm -hmm. I feel like a pretty well-known uh pretty well-known uh thing that happens to blood is that it clots Mm -hmm. and they're just like putting this in an inkwell and hoping for the best was the ink black when you put your blood in there was it red when you put your blood in there like what's going on here they'll really be doing anything i'm so sorry they're really just out here doing some shit like, they'll do anything just to make sure that it's a blood pact. I'm so sorry. They literally will. They will be doing anything to get some blood in this bitch. And I'm not fucking having 
it. <laughs> I'm not fucking having it. Uh, it's just so funny. <laughs> like, the amount of times in the show that they've had to use blood to seal something. Like, you guys couldn't have just, like, I don't know, put your hand. A All agreed your... on a signing it with the same pen? Like, like <laughs> I can see why they need to do it for, like, you know, when they do, like, magical rituals. I can see why those probably need blood. This is... Extra. This is a piece of paper. It's very extra. <laughs> this is so extra. You know Elijah was like, hey, guys, we gotta do this. <laughs> guys, we gotta. His inner theater kid cut me out. Exactly. Um, so at the bayou, Haley returns to the banquet table, and everybody's like gathered around to celebrate. They're like to Haley and the other You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Davina is in that greenhouse. Uh, when Monique and Abigail walk in, they're shocked to see that Davina has magically restored all of the dead flowers in the room. Um. And Monique that, just sort of, like, glares at Davina. That's one of my favorite shots of this episode. Can I just say? It's such it's, a well-done shot. It's so pretty. It looks like it, like they were filming for, like, a music video. Every scene of painting who? Like, I only damn. know this shot of the originals. I also like the way that, like, it sort of represents the fact that Davina is the more powerful witch, I think, out of all of them. Yeah. Because uh, her body in a way got used to having more power and now she can just like she can move a stronger current than those other girls you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah. they could do one rose after a while of chanting she just did all those fucking roses like damn bitch uh, it, it does so look powerful. like a k-pop music video though you're so right like i was like rose on the ground <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Blackpink Rosé, who? <laughs> uh, if you if you got it, you if you get it, you get it. Like, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about from on the ground. <laughs> Elijah enters with the signed peace treaty and the inkwell. Um, and he walks up to Klaus and he's like, sign it. I'm not a fool, like... It's clear to me you're not that disinterested. Sign, please. You know, if there's no peace between us, how do you expect the others to follow? And Klaus is like, you know, fine, I'll sign, but nobody's going to agree to this. And um, we get a glimpse of Klaus's painting, and it's of the New Orleans skyline. And in the sky, Klaus has added a large full moon. And that's the end of this episode. Um, I think, and I don't have Brian to correct me here if I'm wrong, but I believe we see that Hope later on has this exact painting in her room, either in Legacies or later in the originals. Um, I'm very nearly uh, certain about that. Yeah, I'm pretty certain about all that. So, can't wait to look for that. Can't wait to look for that painting. Um... Where's Waldo the shit out of it? You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. That's it for this episode. Overall, I think a really good episode. Yeah. It was like, like, again, I was out of it while watching it. And still I can, like, tell this was, like, a very good episode. What are you going to rank this episode? 
Um, I'm trying to think more on like, I guess, because usually when I rank the episodes, I think more on my feeling side. Mm-hmm. But because I was so out of it, I know that my judgment's you just a think little and feel off. tired, right? Yeah. My judgment's a little <laughs> off, so like I can't really judge it based off of that. So I'm just gonna judge it based off of like our conversation today, the structure of the episode. Overall, I really like this episode. Overall vibe of the episode, and I think it was like really well, well done. Like, um, there was no moment where something was there that didn't need to be there everything played a purpose um i really liked even though it was small how um cammy's interaction with karen like him almost killing her leads her to like get really really drunk because that's so realistic yeah um, mm-hmm. i think that's one of my favorite moments um even though it's small um and i love Davina a lot as well I think I'm really learning to enjoy her character and to see how she interacts with her quote-unquote friends being back in town um so I think I think I give this episode a nine I don't think it's a ten I was also just thinking about that I think it's a nine for me too yeah it's not it's not perfect there there is something missing but it's definitely a nine yeah it's definitely not a ten but it's not like it's not it's not like bad it's, it's not good. bad it's, it's a good. really good episode yeah. again like this this the originals overall like we've both ranked this season very highly mm-hmm. yeah. very highly yeah perhaps more highly than it deserves but also i don't think so i think this is such a good cohesive first season of a show that like, like I I, I don't say, see where I would rank it any lower. You know what I mean? I will say, like, I think this is, like, one of the best shows I've watched in a while. Yeah. Um, Isn't it refreshing to watch good TV yeah. for this podcast? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, um, how do I explain it? Like, I feel like sometimes when I watch a TV show, by the end of the season, I'm kind of out of it. Like, I'm like, okay. I'm when done with this concept and I move on. Like, yeah. I might drop this show now because it's not as interesting as it was in the beginning. You kind of, a lot of potential gets lost, I feel like, in the season. Where you're like, you have kind of hopes for good things, especially if you have a pilot episode. Sometimes the pilot episode isn't good, but like you see a lot of potential in the premise of the show. So you kind of stick around to try to see where it goes. Um, But... Sometimes shows are disappointing. I think this show is not disappointing in the slightest. It's very different from the first season of The Vampire Diaries in which... Wildly so, yeah. I was like, oh, like, it's not that great, but, like, I'm just waiting for it to pick up because I know it has to get, like, better at some point. This mm-hmm. overall feels like a very well-rounded season. Everything feels like it was planned out pretty well. They have really good arcs that all lean into one another and don't feel disconnected at all. Um, and overall, I mean, as we're coming near the end of the season, I'm still excited to see what happens next. Um, the storyline that they have going on is not something that's a one-season arc. It's a multi-season yeah. arc in a way when you think about it. So um, it's very different from um, it's very different from the Vampire Diaries in that way. In a way, it kind of feels um, soap opera esque in that way. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. that's the fun part of watching 
I need soap. I oh, soap opera. And let me tell you, I've not watched a lot of soap operas. I've barely watched any, but I remember on um I mean, technically I feel like Teenick had two of them and I watched both of them. The first one obviously Degrassi. Um mm-hmm. and of course, especially like specifically like season I think it's 11, the boiling point arc like that season they were airing it like one episode a day every day in the summer from monday to friday and then they on the weekends they would do a repeat watching so that you can catch up if you missed it yeah so like it was like very soap opera-esque where like everything leaned into everything else and you had to see what happened next right um and then they they also had this other show i don't remember the name of it but it was like about like this like girl who like runs into this famous superstar and like they start to have a relationship and she's like trying to like figure out the balance between her now being with this guy who's like in the famous spotlight versus wanting to have like an ordinary life and go to college and all that stuff whatever whatever mm-hmm. and that was like an actual soap opera but like they only got one season i don't think a lot of people tuned into it um but like this leans into very a lot of those same tropes where like each episode leans into the other. You always have to kind of see what happens next, and the story doesn't feel like it's ever ending. There's always just a new facet to it, which is really intriguing, and I'm excited to see how they kind of um, try to like keep the momentum going until the end of this season, but also like at the beginning of next season. Um, yeah really good show it's I, I think they do a lot better job of like keeping the momentum than tvd yeah. does because mm-hmm. yeah. like when tvd has a fucking arc and like momentum you fucking know they do like right they fucking when they go they go and right? it's like a but couple like, episodes in a have, row yeah and you have like and like things like season four happen where you're like oh shit we going we going we going but then they'll sometimes just have weird momentum killers in the middle of that i feel like the originals is very much better about like slow building Mm -hmm. things yeah like tvd is like fast food the originals is a soup you are building piece by piece right yeah you gotta you gotta chop the veggies you gotta let that shit simmer for a bit right and they'll come back to it don't you worry they'll come back to it but like you gotta let that bouillon cube like get into everything you know what i mean yeah like, yeah i i like that's exactly the best way to describe it when i'm watching tvd sometimes it feels like so much shit is happening at once and you're like oh my fucking god where's this, this train going like i like i can't even see the direction we're going in this one feels very much more like like pointed in a certain direction yeah um, mm-hmm. and also again that slow build of like watching everything play out i think is the best way to put it you're just watching it play out because you're like you know something's about to happen but like you have to wait a little while before like they really get to it but like i think the wait is not bad in a way that tbd wait can sometimes be kind of bad yeah like they they fill it out well yeah and i think they always like have enough different veggies on the chopping block to keep you interested if somebody's not doing this episode you know somebody else is about to be scheming right like klaus doesn't look like he's doing anything he has this weird little moment where he's about to make an ally and then he does and that only happens in like 
three minutes of the episode. He's not in this episode very much at all, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think the originals is so good at playing this like slow build of like, you can kind of see where everything is going, right? Mm-hmm. They still got some twists around the cor- around the curve, but like, you know this soup recipe. Right. You know some shit's going to happen. You just don't quite know how it's all going to taste in the end. Right. And I think that's kind of the best part about it. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this slow build and you can kind of see where you're going, but it's like everything's a little bit foggy. You know the general direction, but you're not sure what exactly is going to happen when you get there. And I think that's the best part of the originals. And they do this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, again, overall, I've said this before. I like the originals way more than I like TVD. I think uh, the originals overall is just a better show. It has less bad episodes than TVD does. Mm -hmm. Like TVD, like most of season five and seven and eight are like not good episodes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So like the... The the quality, the floor is much higher, I think, for the originals than when it is you for think TV. About it, it makes it a lot better. It's so crazy that this is a CW show. It is wild that this is a CW show. Like, whoa. I'm watching a it's CW show right now. Like, speaking of, like, getting more bad episodes than good ones, did you see that, um, that little... Um, news thing that happened with Cole Sprouse uh, from Riverdale where he was like sometimes we get uh, he's like I want to be basically free of Riverdale like sometimes it gets grips <laughs> on the same day uh, the day of and they just have to perform and I'm like what the yeah. fuck I was like of course you guys do of course like someone free um, him someone free I mean apparently their contracts end soon so thank god for that right Oh, yeah, they probably had a... Are they going on to season six? Because that's usually I when... think seven. I think they're about to hit their seventh. That would make sense, because contracts get renegotiated usually around six episodes, yeah. six seasons, and then every two after that, which is why, like, Nina Dobrev could leave TVD after season six, you know, uh-huh. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, that was so funny. Um, I'm going to see... He's in a movie with Lana Condor. Is that how you say her name? on HBO Max called Moonshot. It's like, a, it's, I think it's supposed to be a rom-com. It looked cute. I was like, I might tune in. Might tune in. Might, get, might give Cole Sprouse this. Anyway, um, I also realized, Jordan, that you never ranked last episode of the originals, which was 116, Farewell to Storyville, where they're all in the cemetery yelling at each other. Oh. And I think you mistakenly watched this on a week that we were supposed to watch TVD, and you were like, wow, this is such a good episode. Do you remember that? Yeah, I know. I totally remember that. I think I missed this episode, but, like, I, like... Yeah. Because <laughs> I gave I it, for it. reference, I gave it a 9.5. Brian gave it a 9.75. Um, So what's your ranking on that one? Honestly, I don't remember how much I liked it. I just remember I liked it a lot. I'll give it a 9.5. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Solid. Your average ranking this season is a nine, straight up. Yeah, no, it's that just makes a nine. Sense. That makes like, sense. and mine is like a nine point four, and Brian's is like a nine point five. Like, this season's very good, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I feel like talking about it doesn't TV. necessarily always give it justice. Do it justice, like. 
take a weekend and just park your ass in front of your TV and watch season one of the original. And then you'll it's get it. It's genuinely really good. You'll get it. You'll really, really get what we need because, like, you'll it's, understand. It's such a good episode. It's like such a good season of TV. It's just such a good season of TV. We're going to go back to a not great episode of TV, though. Actually, this might be one of the ones from season five that Brian said that everybody likes. Maybe. I can't remember. Next week on Afterbite, we're going to be watching The Vampire Diaries, season five, episode 17, Rescue Me. I don't remember anything about this episode. I can only assume it's probably not good because not much of season five is good. (laughs) We actually have ranked some episodes individually really highly, but I think a lot of these rankings are situated in the fact that, like, this season overall is kind of dog shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we when when there's something good, we're like, wow, incredible. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a diamond in the rough. Yeah, like, in the same way that I think we will look back on some episodes in season five fondly when we do our final bracket challenge, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think there will be a lot of arguments between like season five versus like season three episodes you know what i mean yeah so there's always that that'll be next week on afterbite until then if you head over to patreon.com slash afterbite you can support us you can also uh head over to twitter at afterbite pod um and if you have like any questions or like corrections for us you can always uh just like tweet at us or slide into our dms um, I do monitor those, so I do keep an eye on those. So if you want to slide into our DMs with, like, corrections to tell us we're fucking stupid about things, do so. Please. I will warn you, though, if you're rude, I'll be rude back. <laughs> I'll I'll roast you on the Afterbite Twitter account. I don't care about professionalism. Not in this house. This is not a professional environment. This is not a professional environment. Not at all. That's next week. Until next time, y'all. What do we say now at the end? Stan Luna? Stan Luna! (laughs) Wait, if you guys want to support Luna on Queendom that they're going through right now, I'll I'll, I'll give it.